Hello and welcome to another edition of the Talking Basketball Podcast. I am Mark. I am Paul. We've got another guest in the studio today. We have a professional, Mark. An actual professional has dared to enter the studio. And we are talking about former Solon Kestrel, former Surrey Scorcher, and former Hadja player here, Mark. Do you want me to go without any further ado? Give us the line. Yeah, now, stand and cheer for number 12 at small forward, Adam Riyabi. That was a good one. That was a good one. I like that one. Welcome to the studio, sir. (laughs) Good afternoon. Good afternoon, good evening, but not good night yet. Well, Mark, everyone will know this player because I've talked about him a few yeah. times. And just for our listeners, this this guy, Adam Riabi, is the player who I approached to play for the Portsmouth Force <laughs> when he was playing in the BBL for the Surrey Scorchers. Yeah. And it was it's a running joke that I tell people <laughs> that I approached a BBL player and said, Do you want to come and play? MBL Div 3 for Portsmouth Force. I mean, look, it's, I'm sure it was a very nicely worded email. It, w- it was lovely. And yeah. if you, you don't ask, if you don't get it. Did you pause and think, shall I seriously think about this? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was up there. <laughs> he was like, you've got no idea where I'm playing, do you? You know, and this is what I, I actually admire about um, Adam is his response back. He could have been a complete a-hole about it and just gone, I'm a professional player mate or ignored it but he didn't and i had a really nice message back from him saying i'm really sorry i can't play at the moment I'm currently playing in the bbl for the surrey scorchers but i really appreciate you reaching out and you never know what might happen in the future or something like that so when- you're basically the reason now why anyone we ever speak to he's like i've got to research this now i've got to <laughs> do my research he's yeah. paranoid <laughs> wow it was it was a nice response and i think that says something about you your personality yeah no, i appreciate that how i was raised exactly i, I said that to your mum <laughs> yeah. when um when i saw it at a ports of force game i said it was like a you know that response and i think i had a similar one from zach as well at the same time um it's like yeah so just a credit to you know how you guys been raised well i mean everyone was going to recognize the the surname obviously. yes yes so this is the older brother of zach riabi who was playing for the ports of force last season so did you guys were you guys very competitive playing against each other growing up? We we were and we weren't. So the reason we, we were is because in recent years, we have played against each other, kind of pick up one-on-one. Uh, that was that was quite fun. Um, the reason we weren't is because there's five years between me and Zach. Yeah, fair enough. So prior to me going away to America and all stuff like that, he was actually way too young. and It, it just would have been a bit of a wind up, to be honest. Um, but you know we've we've trained a lot together. We haven't really played against each other much. But in terms of working out, it's always been very easy to to work out with each other. Because I, I grew up with him yeah. and his brother, and there's five years difference between you guys, and just over. But th- you know there was there was a competitive element in there always at, at the best of times. Well, I like to think that I, I got visions of Adam dunking on Zach, going, "Come on, <laughs> Zach, play some defense." <laughs> 
Okay. I mean, I'm not sure. Do you keep a tally? If you've ever, you know, done some one-on-one matchups, do you keep a tally on that? Uh, when you play, when any serious player plays, <laughs> you're always going to 11 or you're always going to 21 or whatever. So, yeah, there's there's always a tally. There's nice. always a tally. Nice. Well, Mark, we're as far as the show's concerned, we've actually got a tick in, in one of our goals as well. So... Not oh, no. many people, done? not many people know this, but we, um, at the start of the year, wrote down a list of what we wanted to do with the show and stuff like that, and included some guests and things. And um, just from my list, I wrote down a couple of guests, and then my top three guests of who I wanted on the show. Yeah. In the top three was Adam Riabi. I appreciate that. So you've to but here we are. A big tick is for the one, show. Is this the first one of the oh, year as that's well? That's what we meant. I put J Lo. Sorry, but I would bump you for Jay. <laughs> it's not the first of the year. I don't know what we're in now. What, two or three in maybe? I have no clue. I, I don't even know what... It, it goes into a real yeah. blur, Adam. Real blur. Because we record stuff and sometimes it's there live and then it goes out almost the next day. Other times we do a guest one and this will be out in a week or two's time and queue it and sometimes we might we've done a couple where we've recorded it and it's been almost two or three months because you know it might benefit them or it's better for scheduling or whatever yeah. so i know we're on 57 58 shows there you go. and we've got two coming out in the next few days and then a few after so yeah i've listened to a few and you, you guys are doing well so. a few adam you should be a subscriber listen well. to every damn show <laughs> wake up to it that, that you should have that and put it on your speakers and just blast it out where you live no, so sure. everyone can appreciate it well to, to all our listeners please email ukbasketballpodcast at gmail.com and say anything to ir- irritate Mark especially yeah, if you're selling CCTV or any basketball kits anyway right I had another one today like they actually try and phone me I said oh. yeah and like, we want to sell you basketball kits and basketball wear it's like why I don't I don't run a bus. So I haven't got time for this. I've got Adam Riabi on the show. Go away. <laughs> That's what you need to be saying to them. Right, Adam, let's go for your basketball journey. So like Mark said, this is our first professional player on the podcast. And I guess for you, it starts selling kestrels? No, it starts before that. It's got to start with your family, surely. With your dad and your uncle. Yeah, exactly. So uh, growing up, it was my dad who started me uh, in basketball. Um I did, I go through a period of, of growing up where I didn't know what um, sport I actually wanted to play. Um, I used to try a load of stuff. I never used to fit in kind of in, in school with the old football or whatever. Um, then in the end, it, we did go to basketball. Now I used to have, um, uh, where I used to live, there was a basketball court at the end of the road. So dad always used to just take me down there. Um, and that's where it kind of started for me. Um, Amazing. What other sport was it that you particularly liked? Um, so I was a good swimmer. Um, I played tennis, played a rugby club um, before, and I because I was small and skinny, then I just got told by my stepdad to just take the ball and just run and don't look back. So I, that that didn't last very long until I got smacked a few times. But uh, no, it was cool. Took took a little bit from from everything, and then um, yeah, ultimately ended up in basketball, um, which was down in uh, played for Portsmouth, and it was with Matt Birch and Eman and. Simone, um, they were all my kind of coaches growing up. Um, and then, yeah, from there went up and joined Solent Kestrels. That's kind of the next step for, for kids growing up. Yeah, so, I mean, th- these are in the days where 
I don't think Portsmouth had the setup that could cater for no. talent like Adam. And that's when, um, I get, uh, well, it's going to be Eman or Seaman would have pushed you towards Matt Guyman or yeah, someone at the Kestrel exactly or that. Itchen College. There was there was a there was four of us boys that were that were good and decided that we were going to pull together and go over to um, Kestrels, and that was where we kind of elevated through the under 15, 16, 18. Um, and so that was kind of the next sensible step for players that were taking it seriously. Amazing. Like you mentioned back then, there was kind of a bit of a gap with Portsmouth where, okay, it's grassroots and then it's like not much else. So yeah. we had to try and find a way to keep the hunger going and keep the you know, tenacity alive, I guess. And, and for, I guess, players like yourself was the real motivator from a Portsmouth perspective because we'd see guys like you go out the door yeah. down the road and we're like man if we could keep this talent and yeah. build on it we got a national league set up yeah. here you just imagine but, being kestrels though they're like uh yeah, we got a six foot six guy who can ball uh he wants to turn up yes bring him in yes please <laughs> yes bring has he got oh there's three other players well bring them in yeah. bring them in but it, I, I imagine it'll be a similar thing at Whiteley or something like that at the yeah. moment where they'll be pushing them in either direction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, but that must have been good going from, you know, Portsmouth and that setup. And then you're playing on that Kestrels court, which is pure basketball court, you know, the purest basketball court. I like to call no it. No badminton. No badminton lines. That must be good going there. From, it was as a 14 year old it was good I will say there were some badminton lines in some of the courts that we uh, had to play in there was quite a lot uh, <laughs> especially down in the younger age groups but uh, it was it was definitely good and definitely the next step that we had to take um, and it was quite a shock to be honest because it was like the okay well you like basketball how much do you like it and how much are you going to work for it so it was those three things combined mm. um, and yeah over the years we just we just watched people drop off and you know, throughout college and throughout professional, you just watch people drop off and you might be the only one standing out of all those people, but they all taught you something to get to that next level. And if it's meant for that person, then they'll move on and go to that next bracket. Um, and if not, then, you know, you've learned loads of lessons. Like I'm sure the guys that I played with um, for Kestrels, those, the, the four of us that moved from Portsmouth to Kestrels, like they, would, they wouldn't give that up for the world because yeah. they learn a lot of stuff and sport teaches the best lessons in the world in my opinion so yeah great um yeah so how long were you at kestrels i played kestrels um from under 14 um all the way up till men's um so i played yeah up until under 18 and then from there i played in the men's team for a season um with matt guyman i love that as well i love mm. it when you have players that progress through the age groups then all of a sudden they're in the men's team. I just love that because, yeah. yeah. yeah it was it was great because that was like a coach is recognizing talent from, you know, the third year itching guys and the under 18 guys um, for Kestrels and then putting them in the men's team that was division one at the time. And then you... Um, you then go to you know play the matches and you know you get those few seconds where you get to get on and like the coach trusts you and it's it was a it was a heavy schedule being at itching um a lot of um stress on your body you really had to learn how to act like a professional even though you were very far from being one um and but they they teach you the best lessons and that was kind of the biggest 
pool of people that would then drop off and not play basketball anymore or you know a small amount that go up to the next level um, so it was kind of the ultimate test and they do a great job over there of finding talent um, and progressing it to the next level uh, as, you, as you guys have seen with you know all the players that they've progressed up and I mean, even that, NBA that's great plays yeah. right really saying that you know it's how holistic it is and yeah. it's forming you as a, as a young person yeah. not just as a professional sports person but as a young person forming you and everything yeah like 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 Adam said there's um I almost said Zach then for a second like Adam <laughs> said there's um you know there's life lessons definitely in basketball yeah. um but uh for those who don't know Itchen College is is an absolute juggernaut when it comes to yes the basketball scene um and a lot of great players do that transition where they're playing for Itchen and Kestrels is that goal yeah and you're on that build-up. So when Kestrels won there, like, four in a row, but it was like four in six seasons, I think they yeah. won it. But it was four in a row. You're on the build-up to that. So you're in the Div 1 yeah. as that team's progressing to get to that. Yeah, and that's how sports works. Like, you don't always... You don't see the results straight away. That's not how things work, and that's not why you value them. They, they work because it's been a few years prior of preparation, and you guys work so hard, and then you start seeing the results, and that's... That's really the long-term reward of you know sport and even going to the gym. That's you don't see stuff straight away. Yeah, that's why it's valued because it's it comes with time. Yeah, well yeah. said. Yeah. And and what's your mindset in the Kestrels? Like, are you then at that point thinking I want to play for the NBA or I just want to get to America? I want to play in the BBL or I'm just playing. Where if if where's your mindset? Yeah, good question. So um, when I was at Kestrels, obviously I was still in. Kind of secondary school um and then i was telling people i'm gonna go to america from like year nine year eight year nine um and the people that, are, that i go to school with if they they're if they listen they better be listening um that they'll vouch for me they'll say yeah you, you did say you, you are gonna go to america and it's just been that's just been my life so when it came up to it i was like yeah i'm i'm ready to go that's that's just what i've been aiming to do um but yeah it it's a lot of it's a lot of stress a lot of good stress that teaches you a lot of lessons and if you come out on the end, other end then you're most likely going to make it to that next level so it's um it's a very it's a very good teacher of how to train yourself to be professional yeah and at the Keshaws, i hope you don't mind me asking what what do you think of matt guyman i mean just by the interactions i've had with him and played with him in the past but the what i love about what I've seen from Matt is gone from that player to that coach and that mentality. I don't know if it's from when he was a player that he's taken into his coaching where he'll call a timeout and turn around to his players and say, right, guys, what are you seeing on the court? Yeah. And, and take that input from him and stuff like that. I was going to mention that, actually, because he, he did used to listen to a lot of players more than a lot of the coaches I've had um, before. And because that reciprocated trust between the players and the coach is it's imperative and for Matt he used to know exactly what he saw out on the court but he would almost trust you know the point guards or the Americans or whatever it was you know when I was at the men's team I, I noticed it the most um, and to trust you know what do the professionals see or what do the young players see as they're trying to develop their minds to read the game and then after that, he'll say, uh, you know, yeah, I agree. Also, we need to do this, this and this. And then you, you know, you're all on the same page and you go back out on the floor feeling like he's trusted 
what your eyes have seen is the right thing and also to look out for these extra things that you might have missed on the way um so matt does matt and jack uh, especially jack as well with the kind of individual workouts that he does jack o'keefe jack o'keefe yeah itching was probably the the best time for me it was i was still living here and i had to get a, a bike i took my bike to the train station used to cycle up to Itching um, from Shoulder oh, Station. Oh wow, that's a trek every, every day. Every day. Warm up. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then you can imagine playing for the men's team as well. Men's practice finishes at 10 p.m. So then it's a train back late, and then you're up. You might have um, training at 6:30 the next day for Itching. So then oh, wow. I've got to get a 5:30 train over, and that's that's just how it rolls. And that's that's what I meant earlier when I said it's the real test because mm. if you don't like it, you don't you don't need to do it. It's, no one's forcing you to. My my mum and dad and stepdad they're not pressuring me to do anything they just provide the support when it's there but it's it's all internal it's all in intrinsic yeah that's you building up that mentality yeah. of yeah. going right this I, is what i, I want i have this. to get up yeah. yeah it's on me yeah it's, it's a good it's a good lesson and I'll, i wouldn't change it um, yeah. at all and maybe if i had it an easier way maybe i wouldn't have gone as far because maybe i'm you know not putting enough pressure on myself or learning how to deal with time management or um, just stuff like that so yeah definitely a good teacher but in terms of your original question about Matt, Matt and, and Jack they're 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 the top coaches that I've I've had in my in my career there's kind of a few of them um, but Matt and Jack they're definitely what you know, I'd, I'd say were my top coaches growing up so and Jack at the moment is taking o over the Kestrel's men's team so they're yeah. in Div 2 at the moment yeah. he, he has confirmed that he will come on the show. That I haven't, great. I haven't organised it with him. That'll yet. be great. He's confirmed it. Yeah, he yeah. said he'll come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great chap. He's yeah. a great chap. Well, something you just mentioned there. Um, obviously, after playing with the Castros, you said you transitioned. You went to the states. Yeah. But you mentioned just a moment ago about um, whether you know you'd ask the guards or the team or the Americans. At that time when you were playing, did you see people who were playing from America that were coming over to the Kestrels as a different type of player at that time as opposed to a homegrown Kestrel, should we say? Yeah, so I, I learned it. Because then obviously you then went there, so then you experienced it. Uh, so I, you've got quite a, a nice angle on that. Yeah, of course. So I'd say in retrospect, yeah, I did notice some, but until I actually moved to America, I didn't really understand what it was. So what I mean by that is when I was in that men's team for Kestrels, yeah. and there were a few, I think three Americans that came over, you don't understand how much pressure they're put on to be as athletic and call the plays and do everything because they're the kind of few professionals that, that they they're are. They're your franchise player. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. So, And the rest of the people are just supporting acts, basically, that do their role, um, role players. But... In terms of Americans, yeah, it's 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 different. It's a different kettle of fish the way that we play over in Europe compared to um, Americans, and and that's why I think European players do so well in America once they really know the game and they're also athletic. They're they're almost like unbeatable. I mean, you see the NBA, yeah, how it is. Um, well, yeah, Jokic may be exception to athletic, but yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Bad pod, or, or, or maybe Luca as well. Thank you for that. Yeah, but, it's true. But like you say, they know the fundamentals in the game so well, and they've adapted it. Yeah, accordingly. exactly that. But we, you know, you see um, in the NBA, um, in the BBL, sorry, in the UK, um, and obviously in the Euro leagues, you see a lot of the American players coming over. Yeah, 
and a lot of teams have three to five players who are yeah, from yeah. the states yeah and like you say they tend to be almost like they the pivotal players on those teams mm. um so that's, it is really interesting that you know no one maybe ever considers the fact that they've got a lot of weight on their shoulders because like we're here we have to perform to that level but it's um it's not anything that anybody says oh you know you get a medal for it because it's at the end of the day they're getting paid so it's just like it's everybody's job to go yeah. to their job nine to five it's their job to come over and, and win a few games here and there and in the grand scheme of, of life it's, it's not as tough as how some people have it so no absolutely um, just it, it's a bit job. like Mark Jack I think it was Mark Jackson who said this where he was like when he went to Italy yeah. you go there you're the franchise franchise player yeah. you're expected to perform yeah, yeah. Um, and if you've almost got to do a little bit extra than whatever else is because you're here on a was it Mark who said that I, I want to say it was Mark but also maybe Ryan uh, Ryan said it well I think when he went to one of the away games for the Vimbo or something like that okay um, but also it has echoes of Steve um, when he said that he went to the States when he Steve was Davison. Steve Davison Steve Davison yeah yeah and when he was saying that when he went to the States it was that he was the outsider coming in mm. and there was all the homegrown talent and he was like yeah I was just blazing them and they were like oh, okay um, hang on the outside talent's coming in and yeah but they and in that but case, that's what you should expect he yeah. had the other way around where he, they were like we don't want the outside talent blazing we want to raise everyone up and he, exactly yeah. and they sidelined him for that which was it's interesting isn't it how we yeah flip that Steve helped me quite a bit to be fair um, I remember we did a few sessions in Canoe Lake before I went out to America um, and yeah he, he yeah. helped me a little bit because he yeah he was telling me about what he's doing now in terms of job but also you know what things to look out for when he's in America so yeah shout out to Steve oh, oh wow. wow that is well look it, what a couldn't get someone better who's gone through the whole American experience he was playing for before we went out there he probably was I think it's probably Team Solent maybe in those days before he went out but um, yeah and then he was the Ports of Smugglers National League and we went up to Div 2 so yeah I mean yeah he'd be a great person to that's, so, that's a great and you know one thing I think Steve Davison is the unsung hero a little bit as far as coaching and developing young guys um, he actually did quite a lot in the city of Portsmouth, so yes. yeah. when you said that, it didn't surprise me at all. It was like, oh, okay, okay. yeah. It was yeah, like I, I just hit him up, and and he was like, yeah, more than happy to do that. And E man, Simon, Steve, they're all names that keep picking up. Yeah, Mick, yeah. They're, they're, all, they're all ones that match. All, all names that seem picking up. Aren't and it's, it's nice to see with with kind of sport and stuff like that. The more mixes you get, and the more different variety of coaching, and you know. How well people mix with other people the more people you can get information from and learn stuff from is you're gonna end up being a better player than the people that just stick with one coach because you learn yeah. so many different ways of how to be versatile and learn with, to deal with different situations and yeah i'd say that's that's something that i try and do quite often is learn from loads of different people um, and see what you know their experience was or maybe you know that can help me not make a mistake and two months time or six months time you just don't know so so you get on you're 18 19 get on that plane yeah go to the States. are you on your own when you get on that oh, plane? Yeah. oh yeah. wow that, so take us through it i mean because that that would like you said you were young that was the i'm going there that's yeah. going to happen so we're talking about hill um hillsborough community college yeah correct yeah so and where's that based that's in tampa florida Ooh. so it was a it was 
Weather shock. It was a 10 out of 10 place to be. It was like, where's the beach? <laughs> yeah, it was right there. It was right nice. there. Um, wow. But yeah, so um, during the recruitment process for me, I was obviously still itching and all of us, the few that were going to America was all doing the same thing in terms of recruitment. Um, and finally had about four or five schools hit me up and say, oh, we want you to come out. Some were offering visits, a uh, couple weren't. Um, and so we took up the first one we took up were, was um, Hillsborough Community College. And we went there and it was, I, I couldn't fault it. And my mum's very instinctive with how she feels about stuff. And you know, oh, this doesn't feel right. I, I don't know about this or I, I can see you being here. Um, and so when you have, when you're on your visit and you hear stuff like that and you feel like it's a great, it's a great place. Um, they actually just gave me the, the scholarship paper there and then at the end of the trip oh, wow. and and I and I signed oh. it before I left um, so it was a, it was a great experience uh, for me um, the players there at the time there was kind of in like a trial period so that they'll always kind of chuck you in a trial that they do for loads of local players as well um, so the, the current players at the uni don't normally trial in that obviously because they already got their, their spot um, but you kind of competing with all the local players and I had, a, I had a great few days there because I had spent a few days with the uh, current team, training with them and working out with them. And then when it came to this um, kind of local uh, tryout. Oh, that's invaluable. That is, you're, I, you're at that they were level. All, yeah, they yeah. were all hyping me up on the side and like I was dunking and like everyone was like, oh yeah. Right, take us to that training. Take us back just those couple of days before to that training with the incumbent team. Yeah. What was that step up like between yeah. Coming from here and then going out and saying, right, this is the this is the current team and this is the standard that I'm going to be at. It, um, was that a step or was it, it like it was Ooh. it was it was a step. <laughs> it was a step. So you can be told anything. You yeah. can be told how to prepare for it. You can be told whatever. But if you've played a certain way, like we do in Europe for so for so long, and then you go out there and everyone's just like so athletic, throwing alley oops, and you've just got like some six eight guy that just doesn't really do much else except dunk like th things are just going on really quickly you you have to learn to just adapt quickly and i'd say luckily for me i, I am quite adaptive in how i um respond to different stuff so if i have to be faster or if i have to you know jump a, a little bit to higher or whatever then I'm, I'm able to do that but yeah for the first first few days it was like a all oh, right okay it's like this so yeah it's um it's definitely definitely interesting yeah. I mean, what 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 were they? Did, you know, did they tell you what their reaction was from you know from seeing you, the well, say European play style? Because um, that might have been new for them as well. You know, so, it's a learning lesson for them on their same time, isn't it? So yeah, so yeah, good point. So in America, it's viewed a lot as like you're almost like scared because you pass the ball a lot because you're used to playing a more team orientated. Yeah, style of basketball so like okay. if i'm open but the guy next to me is open open i'll make the pass because that in my head that's how i'm wired to you know make the extra pass because statistically he's probably likely to make it yep. um if we got kind of the same shooting percentage yep. um but for them they'd be like why don't you just shoot the ball so like, that's basically luca yeah. yoka all of the great players yeah, yeah. that's it, it, oh, that's exactly what they do yeah that's, that's it and so that can be looked at as, as like oh you don't want it or like you know yeah you you know you're not tough enough or whatever but it's really like you got to learn quickly that okay what well, 
I've got the ball now. Like I've been past it twice. I've been, I was given a rule that if I ever touch the ball twice in one play, you go and score. Like there's no like, oh, really? you don't, you don't pass it off again. If I, if the, if you, if you come down and you get past the ball and you know, the next sensible step is to pass it on to somebody else, you end up getting it back. You just got to go score. Bearing in mind that, you know, the shot clock's over there. You just got to, just got to get it done before it's, uh, before it's too late. But yeah, the, the rule was to assert your dominance, try and, Ah, okay. Yeah, so, you mentioned shot clock, sorry. We had that with Steve, I think he was mentioning about the shot clocks and the differences in college ball as well. So what is... I know, well, don't think it's... Steve was... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously... Was he high school? Yeah. But he was, was he saying, high school or was Alex high school? Alex Byrne, I can't remember. One of them was high school, but he was basically saying there's no shot clock. In, I think it was the high school was no shot clock, and then when they went to college, it was, but then they had a different timing, and some states still don't have the shot clock. Yeah, no, it's it is still um, 24 seconds. To be fair, um, it's, it's all still the same. I think high school is different, but yeah. I, I was never out there for that, so I'm not too sure. Obviously, a load of stuff is different for high school. Like the three-point line is way shorter than it is for college. Yeah, um, which like we probably all all three of us here would probably have like 50 points in a in a high school game if we were to lace it up now and well, go shoot because it's well, especially like, in those days you were yeah. playing for the men's kestrel, so that yeah. would you'd have already been further yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be shooting from the halfway line if you was to you drop yourself in an American high school gym. I haven't got 50 points in NBA 2K. I don't know about how real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to ask, there was just something we missed over. I just wanted to go back. How did the scholarship actually materialize? Is that something that the Kestrels went and did for you or you, research, you went and did that or were they scouting you? How did that so actually come up? we had a recruitment company at the time that was focusing on the uh, EABL league. So for Itchin, um, it was a company called CCR, Custom College Recruiting, and they helped us all kind of get interest. Um, from there on, they would then send us a message from America and, you know, send us an email of like what they could offer or, you know, it's... Um, it's a Christian uni or something like that. And, and there's loads of different kind of variations of, of uh, what yeah, the offers course, were. Yeah. Um, so in the end, they they reach out to you once you put your kind of profile okay. out there and your highlight tape and your averages and kind of what, you know, your history is, etc. And if they, they like you, they've got a whole database. They showed me when I was out in America after a few months, kind of what you see, like you just filter out kind of combo guard and six six or whatever and 200 pounds and and it just filters like oh wow you know checks the vacuum it, it filters out like every country of every player and you can just watch their highlight tape and if you're interested just ping so, them an email so man some of the chances then yeah it, i don't want to say lottery chances but if it's like that it's like about okay i've got 100 players here i've got two spots yeah no no it's yeah it's uh minimal yeah statistically i think it's like less than one percent well, people life. forget that there's only over 500 and something concurrent NBA players at any one time. Yeah. Like everyone just, you yeah, think the NBA is like, not actually, and there's only been, I don't know, however many, five, ten thousand, five thousand, ten thousand players ever in the NBA. Yeah. Well, it's Adam, totally it's nuts. something yeah. you said, I'd love to get your view on it. Hit me. And it was saying, you kind of, you were saying about this game where you're, you're going into, this is the pressure, the pressure game where you're playing against the local guys and, there's a spot on the team or two spots and all 12 of you going for that. We've all been in those games. 
what, what what's your mentality or how do you play like that i know the only reason i ask that because a lot of people are like i'm getting a bomb going because i need to prove my ability and i always i think a, a long time ago when i've been in those situations i always think do the coach want a team player here or someone who's going to dish it off or i don't know what's your mentality going into that um, Are you like I want to just show my skills, or is it? No, nah, I'm 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 way more reserved. Even in in life, I'm kind of the same. I'll sit back and observe what people are like, and then once I learn, kind of learn where I can fit in, then I'll go ahead and assert myself, and people will then notice. So in in Where's that the gap, yeah, yeah, in that game, if there's like a load of people that they weren't very good, um, there'd be like one or two times I'd pass. After that, like I'd go and show them what what I could do if it was the right play I wouldn't go and force it and like you said uh, I'm gonna go score now like, I've never I've never really been like that it's it's almost like the game will give you opportunities and you have to do what you are taught to do and make the right right decision so yeah uh, a lot of the Americans would be like nah I'm just gonna go score but for me it was it was like a, is this the right play what do I need to do? Trying like, to compliment it. Yeah. Sort of hit that hero ball mentality, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they're, they're tough games to play in as well because yeah. if, if everyone's getting it and going, right, I'm going, then you get it and go, well, hang on, I have to kind of do something with the ball now. It's, it's, well, they're, like, they're horrible games sometimes to be involved in. I've never been, not as a fanboy with someone like LeBron, but everyone has always criticised him as someone who's a pass first mentality and you go, but on the same hand, people will also say he's got a great basketball IQ. You go, yeah, so if he's passing yeah, it, it's because he knows. Is, which one is it? There's yeah. a better shot available. You don't critique uh, when Jokic scored something. He took three shots the other day in a game. That's it, three shots. Did they win the game? Of course they did. There you go then. And then he got his assist for like all 16 and all, you know, crazy. And you go, yeah, because he was, he's there to help his team. The best question for that is when you hear people say, would you rather have 40 points and lose the game or five and win the game? And you just, from that question, you can see what kind of player they, yeah. they are or, or would be if they weren't a I'll, I'll take zero points, yeah. zero minutes and win the game. Do you want to be Russell Westbrook or do you want to be James Harden, basically? Right. I, I, <laughs> long, like, all that matters is the win, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I've got a great example, and it's this week. This was Spurs taking on, who are they playing? Uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, <laughs> who's the new guy? New Spurs guy? Rookie of the year? Wemby. Wemby. So Wemby. He's not going to be a rookie. Wemby is inside the key. Yanis comes in um, and gets absolutely rejected by Wemby. Have you seen that? Yeah. What happens after that? So it's a great, it's a great video clip. What happens after that? They lose by three. Spurs lose by three in that game. Uh, Yanis gets rejected, goes down the end, nothing happens. (laughs) Yanis in the press conference said, He's not a sex but, I don't know what height, height he is, but that is wrong. Whatever they're telling you, his height is But wrong. look up that game, and it's a real... No, it's a great game. Uh, it, was I guess a great, it was a good game. That. It's complimentary yeah. on what we were just talking about. Everyone's focus was, oh, he got that massive rejection. He lost the game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there was a stat recently on Detroit and Spurs. If you combine their totals together, it's something like six, um, six wins and... 60 losses or something of the teams combined it's like awful hey Mark I just thought we've we've done more shows this year yeah than Detroit have won in the season so far they're 3 for 34 <laughs> 3 for 34 like what, what what do you do what's going on have you have you had that have you ever had that at a point I know it's off topic but have you ever had a point where you've been on a team that has not been losing but just 
thought, oh, come on, why have we not got this momentum? What's going wrong? Yeah, I have. I have been on those teams and you, you learn a lot of lessons, to be fair. Yeah. But it's almost like you celebrate the the massive wins. Um, and those teams usually do the massive wins as well. It's like the Plymouth Patriots beating London Lions. Like Everyone's like, where, where did that come from? Yeah. Like it was out completely out of nowhere. And they, they're still, like, they've got two wins to their name the whole season. Yeah. One of which is against the top team. Well, that was like um, just, with the Lakers when uh, I think Kobe was injured and everyone was kind of celebrating because they had just come out of like a 10 game losing streak or something. <laughs> and all the kids like D-Lo and everybody else oh, are celebrating yeah. and he's just like shaking his head. He like, wasn't happy. Yeah. Like, what are you celebrating for? Yeah. <laughs> so that's just, just the mentality, but definitely been in losing teams. I um I wrote this down talking about the mentality you had. This it's just a good little story. You're talking about your training at the Solent Kestrels till like ten o'clock, you're getting on a train. I mean that train's what? Half an hour, but you gotta to cycle to the train station, cycle yeah. from the train station back home, then you're getting up, do that to get to a practice at half six. Um I don't know, this is going back in the eighties. Remember Cram and um Co, Sebastian Co, both yeah. runners. I think they were um, or long, long distance runners. I think yeah. it was eight hundred meters and sixteen hundred might have been yeah. there. Well, Lord Coe's the head of the Olympics committee now. So what what happened was, um, I think it it was uh, Sebastian Coe who on Christmas Day he went for went for his normal workout run, and in the afternoon he was like, I need to go for my run again, and then he was like, I can't be bothered. I really can't be bothered to go for the run, and then in, in his head he thought, Cram's going out right now. And he's going out, so I have to go out. And he went out and did it. And he was like, he's like, it's on uh, in those moments when it's cold outside, it's dark, yeah. it's raining. That's when the real professionals turn up and get outside and do their workout, or go to a training session, or get on the train to do whatever they need. That's exactly it. Or if you're Kobe, when you finish training early in the morning and everyone turns up, you then do another training session to prove that. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna do double what you. But do. it's inspirational as well. Yeah, like that in particular, what you're referring to is when the USA team in particular, mm. they, uh, most of the team went out on a night out, and then a load of them got into the, the elevator to go, go to bed. Yeah. And Kobe goes to walk in, and they're like, "Oh, have you just come back?" And he's like, "No, I've been to bed." And I'm waking up, and I'm going down to the gym now. And they were like, "No, you're not." So, and I think it might have been LeBron. Who went down and saw him working out at 4 a.m., 4:30 a.m. Next day, LeBron's down there with him. Day after that, there's three players down there. Yeah. Go in like five days. I think the entire the entire team, with the exception of um, Camilo Anthony, was down there. Yeah, sounds about right. But again, that kind of stuff is inspirational because you leave from the front, don't you? It's like, wow, hang on. If he's doing something, I need to be doing what he's doing to. <laughs> yeah. What was, what, what was easier itching is that there was a load of us that were doing the same thing. So although I was the only one from Portsmouth yeah. doing the early sessions, we were all meeting up um, and, and you know working out at 6.30 or whatever before classes started. So when you were there, you're all doing it together. Um, but of course, you know, obviously Kobe's different gravy. So he's, he'd just turn up on his own, he don't care. But you say something like that actually, Steve said something in his podcast uh, and it was actually about when you are in uh, in the youth teams and you're in the college, you know, up to that certain stage, the access that you have to training, it, I won't say it's unlimited, but it's so yeah. limitless 
that you can spend as much time doing all that as you want and really honing your skills. This, this, yeah, I learned that in America compared to to here. Oh, um, really? Because, well, for here, you know, you got to pay however much it is an hour to get into a certain gym, and then you're like, oh, I really want to stay and work <laughs> yeah. out, and they'd be like, oh, sorry, it's booked for badminton, and you'd be like, what? you got to pay in England? Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's getting better though. I know yeah. maybe not down in the badminton in Portsmouth. No, badminton is definitely not getting better. No. I meant the court availability. We're, yeah. we're building more stuff now. And well, yeah. like in France, like Simon Coutel, when he came on the show, he's telling us they actually give the court to the basketball club and yeah. say, right, you manage it. Yeah. And they'll say, right, these are our sessions. And I'd like it. to book a badminton court. No. Sorry. No. Out. <laughs> so what's it like playing in America? I've seen some of the it. videos, but... Was yeah. it everything you thought it was going to be? Uh... Yes, and and no, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was everything that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, from hearing the stories from the older people, the, you know, my teammates that were Kestrels, the, the men's players that have been to America, or yeah. my friends that have, you know, been there before me. Um, they told me the stories, and it was like that, especially being in uh, Tampa, where it's a it's a nice city, um, and you know, you got the the lifestyle outside of training and. Um, got clear water and stuff. Clear water. Road, we yeah. used to be there every weekend. Nice every, every weekend. Um, but yeah, in terms of the game, it was uh, definitely something you had to learn um, very quickly. And there are some lessons that you learn about yourself that you have to kind of rewire how you play the game to fit and to thrive out there. Because you can probably, you can definitely be noticed out there for playing a European style game if you're kind of an average kind of player. But for you to really stand out, you do have to adopt how they play because in college, that's that is how they that is how they play. They they play more kind of aggressive and athletic, and just got to learn. That's it. Just got to learn. It's interesting, isn't it? Because then when you see incumbent players from college who then get drafted and go into the NBA, they almost unwork some of that. Yeah, it's just it's kind of interesting. It's like they they're teeing themselves up because that was the. Um, that I think we were talking about Mark Jackson about the route that people have to get you know if you want to get in the NBA it was almost you have to go to the college you have to go there that's the only feeder in yeah and it's getting better with than people taking European people in now but it's still slow it's mainly that is the only way to get in there yeah and as a as a player it they're the people that make it professional or the people that can turn up to any team or any country and just learn and just be like okay you play a little bit more you know zone defense or yeah. you play a little bit more athletic on offense i'll adapt to that or you need me to play the three or play the four i'll adapt to it they're the people that will get picked up um kind of being versatile and i feel like throughout my career i've played one through five my whole my whole career I, i've been able to play kind of one through five apart from kind of the professional side of stuff but um being able to play multiple positions has helped me a lot so in america i've played um, one, two, three, and four, all in four years. So um, in my sophomore year uh, at, at Hillsborough, my second year, our starting point guard actually ruptured his ACL. And so oh, wow. oh. My, my coach, um, Coach Jones, he was one of my favorite coaches because he really just trusted how I played the game. Um, and so he said, look, you're this height, You've got good ball handling skills. You can shoot. I'm going to teach you how to be a point guard. And then my sophomore year, I 
I was a starting point guard for our team and for the whole wow. season it was like that so would I have been a different player or would I have averaged a bit more if I was playing my regular position maybe um, but did I learn a lot of stuff there that I've then taken on to the next level the next bracket um, and the next team of course um, so that was that was probably one of the, the seasons that I, I enjoyed the most because it was like you're really being noticed now for not just being a college player but having some talent that you can that coaches can play around with and be versatile and say oh yeah you can play the three and four but actually you're good enough to be a point guard so let me teach you how to read the game and t teach you how to you know put someone there and tell them to go there and so that was your stuff. first season you said that was my second season your second season. sophomore season first season I kind of played my kind of three four uh, position and so then when you go to your third season yeah third season how did that affect having picked up all of that from learning at point or well, third season is that when you made the jump to Montreal College Montreal yeah so I was in North jumped from Florida to uh, Montreal in North Carolina um, that was an NAIA school um, so in reference to your question from my sophomore year yeah I had a massive boost of confidence because I was like I, I came and I really wanted to and was really close to getting my D1 offer um, my first ever tournament preseason tournament in Florida um, that any American had seen me play outside of my my uni we had kind of uh, a jamboree tournament which is essentially all the teams go and it's kind of scouts from division one colleges come and see how you know what, what what's new and i got three business cards given to my assistant coach of oh, top wow. universities and they said they wanted me to go um but i didn't know kind of the back and forth with it um but it turned out it wasn't i wasn't a i wasn't eligible to transfer so i had to wait until the end of the season now if you think about these top colleges the most valuable players for them are the freshmen because they've given they then can get four years worth yep. of development from them and then build them to be the player that they want them to be in the system that they have so i that that third year for me that sophomore year for me was a big like oh, i'm just gonna go crazy now because i had i had a good season um i had good offers before but those offers never came back around again for me so i was kind of it, it didn't go as planned to um, as my American journey as I wanted it to, uh, but you know, everything happens for a reason. And in that third year, yeah, I was I, I played well that third year, um, and I adopted a bit more of the mentality of what we said earlier, where it's just like I'm just going to go ahead and just just go score. I don't care. I'll just do what I want, and as long as it's within the system and I'm you know, respectful of what the coach says and play within the plays that we've got, when I get it. You know, might not even be two times that I touch the ball, and I'll just, I'll just be like, oh, I'll just go score now, and that's just that, that helped me, I guess. So everything, everything does happen for a reason, I believe. So that that sophomore year when I was a point guard, it was um, definitely a good eye opener and, and definitely a good lesson. Well, like you said, the coach is seeing something and seeing the versatility and going, wow, we got someone who can cover three roles here at least. Um, as far as the two different colleges, you so say you've got Hillsborough Community Community College and Montreat College. As far as like I'm just picturing the crowd, mm. like the home venues. What oh, what's yeah. what's that what's that like? Is it as nuts as we see on TV? So um yes, yes and no. So depends what you are. So 
loads of colleges are different. There are some people, there are some places you turn up and there'd be like chairs there. That would be for like my first year in, uh, in junior college. We had a very good facility at, um, at Hillsborough. Uh, there still is one now. Um, and they've got a big kind of seated crowd. I think it hosts maybe as many as, as forced to be fair. With that kind of junior college level, that, that's good. Um, now, when I went onto my sophomore um, and senior season, the crowds got a lot bigger there. Um, but, you know, it, throughout all four years, I've played in stadiums that host, you know, so many people that like stadiums. And of course, from in my uh, third year, we made it to the national tournament. Um, and so that was something that was played in uh, South Dakota, where it was like a massive stadium where that NBA G League plays. Um, and it, it, yeah, it was That's it was crazy. gotta be cool. But then COVID hit and then we, we had to fly fly back home. <laughs> so COVID hits and they're going, everyone go home. You can't stay yeah. there and just shoot in the gym. Yeah, no, we, um, we, we couldn't. And the day after the tournament, it was around spring break time, uh, around February time, the tournament was February, March. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we took a flight back to um, to North Carolina and I was like, right, it's, it's kind of spring break now. Like, what should we do? We, we stopped the season. It was the, you know, the season ending tournament. Um, we lost in the quarterfinal. And so we got back and we were like, okay, what, what do we do? And, and me and the boys are thinking, right, let's head down to Miami. Let's go, you know, just chill. It's, it's you know, one of my last um, years in America. Let's just go down to Miami, have some fun. Um, my mum's just like hitting me up being like, right, your flight is in two days and pack all your stuff because <laughs> something crazy is about to happen. So that, that it was Mom's a quick- looking out for yeah, you. Yeah, it was yeah. a quick turn of events and I was like, oh, no, no Miami, but it was for the best. And then we go straight into lockdown. So that, that was it. Wow. Cause yeah. I think, I, I mean, I don't want to get in all the COVID stuff, but no. I think Florida was more relaxed, weren't they? From what I remember, yeah. as far they as lockdown took a stuff. bit longer and so forth, but still yeah. it was, uh, Luckily, it Charlie. worked out that I, I was able to fly. Obviously, I was still, I still had to go back in the summer after the summer, um, and they let all kind of the student, uh, student athletes come back in and kind of me fly back again at Christmas, and then it was like tier two here or whatever. And by the time that I left, luckily it was we were in the stage that I could actually fly out and stuff. So, it worked out all right. Yeah, it wasn't so much him being able to leave; it was the fact of the UK taking. That was it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because it was just like, oh yeah, like you look at the flights, the amount of flights that were going on at that time. It went from it was ideal, five thousand like, a day to like fifty or something. Like, it was like they it just, was good because I, I mean I got no a whole getting... whole row for myself on every flight. It, <laughs> it was just, yeah. Adam I, had his feet up. Yeah, I, was, I tell I you what, good. that's the one thing back. about being my height. I look at it and go, someone like you get on a plane. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I have to try and book that extra leg room or something. I oh, do you know what I I was on a flight once and there was a dude who came in he must have been six seven six eight at least he was a he was a big guy um, width wise and you go I, I feel a bit bad I've got this extra leg room in front of me right now and uh, then he sat behind me and I was like yeah, mate can I do you want to swap seats he's like yes yeah, you right? swap it's seats like, yeah hundred percent I, like, like, I don't play. give people I don't give people evils but I'm just like you know if I'm sat in the middle and there's like old grandma <laughs> next to me <laughs> yeah. on the aisle seat they're like lovely yeah. like, I'm like, you know, do you, do you mind? Yeah. Like, my, knee, my knees do get a bit rusty. They're nice and roomy, <laughs> these seats, aren't they? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a pain. That has got to be a pain. So as far as the league is concerned then, I mean, I guess this is 
a cool thing they did, but at the same time, there's an impact. So as far as the league, what you were saying before was they just kind of went, right, we're going to repeat the season. Yeah, so the the league, the NCAA, gave all of the student athletes their year back of um, competing eligibility. So if you wanted to go and compete for a fifth year, you could. Um, some people did. Uh, I didn't, and a, a load of other people didn't. Um, but that was that was the option that w that was given to us, which then kind of affected the years after that for recruitment because they you know they weren't recruiting other people, um, new new freshmen up. Um, they were everyone was just kind of transferring the portal, and everyone wanted seniors that had been experienced that had a year left of eligibility. So it was it was. Um, it was a good time to get out, to be fair. Um, but if, if I stayed, it would have been it would have been good as well. Last chance, you on last chance, you or that's what I was having to look up. They did something about COVID, I think, on, in that program on Netflix, um, and it was about some of the college games. And they were literally the, everyone was on the coach. They're like, the game's been pulled because of COVID. And yeah, like, we're on the coach. They're like, yeah, that's nah, not happening. That's literally as you're saying all this stuff. I'm thinking. But this is echoing something I've seen. It was, it was it a bizarre it moment in time, really. Yeah, wasn't very it? strange. Just imagine how many podcasts we would have out, Mark, if it happened again. Or we were doing the podcast in those days. We'd have had, like, we'd be in 100 in no time. <laughs> Why well, you say we'd that? We'd do one a day. Yeah, but we wouldn't be able to sit next to each other. So Don't matter. We you, recorded you have, them. You could have the screens up, didn't you? No, no. What would be happening is I'd be doing it in my house uh, yeah. with my daughter running around. You'd be doing it in your house with your kids running around. Yeah. So all you just hear is we've done that destruction in, going off in the <laughs> background. In the south and northern studios. Have you done just that? like had a memory lapse and forgotten what it was like in lockdown? Yeah. <laughs> I remember there were... The, Homeschooling? Should I say that? There were goods and bads. There were some good days and there were some bad days. There were goods and some bads. Um, yeah. I, do, I do remember um, I put this coaching video out um, because all the coaching stuff stopped. Um, and I thought, what drills could the kids do at home? So I put this thing out. It was like within a few days, like a thousand views. I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, I don't know what it ended up as, but um, it was, uh, yeah. yeah that, that is a weird time though. So how, I mean, you come back home. What do you do training wise? Were you one of the- Hang on, before you ask that, the weirdest thing was at a certain point, you weren't allowed to go into a gym and play basketball oh, with, it was six don't. or less people, but you can go on an outdoor court and play five and five. That was the weirdest thing, but go on, carry on. Yeah. No, no, you're right, yeah. Because actually, it was your brother who said, oh, we're going to go down and play. I was like, uh, we're not. But he's like, yeah, yeah, me and Paul, we're going to go down and play because you can play outside. Because you're outside, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, go with your question. What are you going to say? Did, how, what did you do? As You know, you've come off of the, these seasons, athletically speaking, you're like, I'm, I'm really geared up here. What happens with your fitness and your everything like that with the lockdown and stuff? You know, it's not something we've actually really thought about or come across, but. Surprisingly, it was, didn't take too much of a hit. Um, no. I've got Canoe Lake that's at the end of my road. Um, and a so very was, famous yeah, lake, very beautiful. It's, a, it's a very famous lake, you get to know Canoe Lake. It's up there like with Lake Garda and stuff, isn't it? it? Is. <laughs> yeah, it is, absolutely. Um, so yeah, training there. Uh, but also, I actually took it upon myself. I really wanted to start um, doing 5Ks because everyone was always posting on online of their kind of Strava runs or how quick they could run 5K. And so oh. I was like, this would be a nice little competition. So 
Yeah, so off the record, me and my me and my best mate, we were c- competing in that every couple of times a week um, and trying to get sub twenty, which we which we got eventually. Yeah, um, yeah. Bloody hell! I, could, well I reckon right. I could have gone faster, um, but we we stopped it. There's the competitive. It was, a, it was a, <laughs> I could have done. It was the it. shin splints. It was it was everything, but it was it was something good to look forward to, and then obviously like a load of home workouts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's the you know, I want to say like the hang on sub twenty is bloody good. Yeah, that's that that's, is very good. Yeah, we're not going to glaze over that. That's that is fast. really good. I've got I know long, what I've you're got long legs, about. so it's, a, it's an excuse, I guess. But everyone was trying to do that comp, like not like trying to compete. Yeah, and, and I was doing po- it. They post it online, and you'd be like, oh yeah, that was alright, or yeah, that was. <laughs> he was doing it quick, wasn't he? I was trying to do exactly what you did, get a sub twenty, and I was doing it with a uh, Ports of Fury guy, yeah. Steve yeah. Ware. Yeah, yeah. and um, we were po- messaging each other our times. And I really went for it. I think I had Foo Fighters on, really went for it one day. Did it in 21 minutes, 12 seconds. And I was like, that's good. Damn, that's good. Yeah. Message Steve, there you go, mate, 21 12. He messaged me back instantly, just done 21 10. I was like, <laughs> I, need, I need the Strava. Yeah, yeah. And send he sent it to me. I was like, yeah, it's two seconds the quicker. Receipts. Yeah. There I yeah, never yeah. did it quicker than that. There was, a, there was a, a guy at my work at the time who was. They were, they were all talking about doing something like this uh, online and he said oh, those times are all rubbish like are you slow or something what he didn't realise is they were talking about running he was a cyclist so he was like doing 5k in like 20 minutes like how slow are you, what are you doing? <laughs> but he just hadn't worked on that we were talking about running so you've absolutely laid into people like Christ you got to pick your knees up yeah. you got to do this you're just chatting away and it's like well people, had, people complained cycling. a lot about uh, lockdown but, but a lot of people had not not a bad time there were some you, good you moments. You learned a lot of yeah, stuff definitely. about yourself. You, my in my in my house, there's six of us in in the penthouse, so there, it's, it's quite tight, and um, we had to we, we struggled to get along sometimes. But you, you learn how to you know you, you learn how to how to get on and adapt. But um, people yeah people learn a lot about themselves, and actually yeah I agree with that. What was good was that people had time to develop themselves. A lot of people every day, people get caught up on like, you know, what you got to do next or you got to go to this podcast or you got to work tomorrow, you got to get up early or meal prep or there's never really time to sit there and think about well, what do you want to do in you know the next few years or set goals or do this or start a new hobby or read a book or mm. so there was stuff like that, that. I feel like I saw a lot online that people were starting and I was like, yeah, good job. Like, I think the word reflection is, you know, it, what yeah, comes definitely. to mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like in that time, it was yeah a lot of negatives, and you can see things like where like the kids, like my kids, wanted to go outside and they couldn't. It's really affecting them. But you know, there are other things like um, oh, I can't remember how old she was at the time. Must have been three or four. But my little girl, I taught her how to write her name, um, and I always remember that as like yeah. right. Let's write. Um, she was four. Mark's telling me. <laughs> you know, let's start, you know, put the E and we did that and we worked it. I mean, she's got a long, it's Elizabeth, she's got a long name. Um, but again, like reflection, um, not that she's ever going to listen to this, but, you, you know, seeing like the strength in other people, like my wife, you know, around her, you know, mentality around it and, you know, doing, you know, work, homeschooling and all of that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, right. Let's get back onto basketball, Mark. Right, so this is a huge one. Uh oh. So how? So you you did your extra year? Well, you know what I mean. The the year where you went went back after COVID. 
Yeah, my my um, senior year. Yeah. And then what happens then? Because we know you end up in the BBL. Yeah. So how what how, where's how that how's that journey? Yeah, good question. So when I came back, I was deciding what I wanted to do, how far, where I was going to play. Basically, was the next level. What door could I get into that um, I could basically take myself to the next level and put it on my resume for you know the next season trying to be kind of two steps ahead on that so i've got um so funny enough that the guy i mentioned earlier kaylin um he, his dad was the head coach kaylin raftopoulos creon raftopoulos was the um former scorchers head coach so kaylin <sighs> i hit him up and was like yo like is there any chance that i could come to some of the, some of the summer runs or um i really want to be kind of the young player on the team um and i'm fine with doing whatever i don't need anything i just want to be on the team and so that was that was where i got in so i went to those summer leagues where all of the this is summer so everyone is back home so everyone that's playing euroleague everyone that's playing you know whatever league in france or wherever are playing and they like to go to the best runs in the country which a lot of the time is london or it is you know at the Surrey Sports Park. Um, so I turn up and there's like, there's everybody there. I meet a load of people, I speak to a load of people. Andrew Lawrence is there, obviously he plays there now at Scorchers, but um, at the time, you know, I was going against him and stuff like that. And it was like a, a big eye opener to be like, okay, this is what I need to be getting into. So I was just, I was just like a sponge of just learning like everything. I'd, I'd speak to loads of people and be like, no, like, you know what would you do in this situation or like you know, how did you deal with this or what do you think i need to do and the reason i kind of had faith was because people could spot my talent and obviously at this point i'm 22 so i um i'm old enough to people you know they're not just like talking to a young kid anymore they're talking to somebody that they'd compete with and be like you know after 18 people don't really care what age you are um you're a man and like you're going to be you know played against like you're a man that's it um but people like reached out there and kind of helped me understand what i need to do um and creon the head coach very nice guy couldn't fault him he gave me the opportunity to be the young player on the team so i yeah had I did my driving test like that year. I hadn't drove the whole time because I'd never needed to. Got my driver license, got a car, and then I was just up and back to Guildford every day for, for training, for games, for everything, and just learned a lot, so much. It was almost like my sophomore year in America where I was a point guard. It was like so much information was, you know, inputted into my brain. It was And what sort, was of, good. What sort of information was in it was reading the game like what are you doing here like make the extra pass or can you not see he's open or you know you need to dribble a bit lower or it, it was everything from technical to tactical um and then because i i'm quite i'm a visual learner i would then read how they were off the court as well like how do they walk around like do they you know oh wow how respectful are they or it is always my thing to be respectful to anybody i, I don't care if you're bringing me water you know behind the behind the you know where we sit as players I, you have to give respect to everybody that's like a non-negotiable for me yeah so it was like how do i elevate those small things as a professional 
um, to get me ready so that when I'm on the court and you know I'm copying the style of play that people are or you know really exploring how I play as a player and finding the best um, kind of style of play for myself they were the lessons that they that they taught me and it was it was pretty full-on but I learned I learned a lot and I um, thank them all and different from the states obviously very different to the states yeah. but it's the same process like yeah, Adam's exactly. saying he's yeah, a sponge yeah. he's taking it all in but it's so interesting that you said you're paying attention to what they're doing off the court as well I mean mm. clearly you had your, your networking you know ability there to get there but then it's like well how is this guy handling himself yeah. how is he talking to people and stuff like that that's really interesting you say that the two yeah. the two people for me that, that stood out the most that um I, I don't we don't speak all the time but if you know if I was to go and meet them or call them it would be you know what's up man like yeah it's been good um is Andrew Lawrence uh, and Teo uh, Ogundembe he obviously the captain of Scorchers but those two were like kind of my older brothers and you know every day of practice and learning and stuff and I used to help coach with Teo and his business um for his teams that he's got over in kind of Farnborough Farnborough way oh cool um, but he uh Farnham way sorry um, so yeah, just learning loads of stuff like on and off the court and asking questions. Oh, you know, what was it like playing overseas or this, this and this? Obviously, at this point, I hadn't gone overseas, um, and they were just teaching me everything. And you know how I am now is partly credit to you know everybody, but also those people that are professional that I've witnessed and, and learned from. So yeah, a lot of lessons learned. I've got some real lame questions here. Go just ahead. based on what we said. So away. when you get to the BBL, yeah. what's the squad size? So um, is it twelve players or is it bigger more depth to that? Uh it's 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 no more than fifteen. Okay. But you can survive on twelve, the twelve would be alright. So there could be fifteen players, but they're picking twelve for the game. Yeah. Cause I know in like if you look like Lions, they've got a deep squad, but then you look at someone like I guess at the start of the season, Manchester Giants, when they went to a game and they had nine players, and it's like, yeah, okay, their squad them, was probably eight, I think. We had, we had, in our season, we had eight players. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I, to, I, I kid you not, we had seven players turn up to how's, a game. How's once. that happen? To a game? Yeah. Do you Injury. Do, I don't know uh, if you know this one. Do you get fined for that? Does the team get fined? I know in the NBL, you used to get like... I don't know what it was, but there was a fine if you had, I think, less than eight. Mm. Do you get that? And do you get that's, fines in the BBL for that, stuff that's like that? That's something that the coach and the and the team behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes, that um, I'm sure there is some kind of stuff put in place to prevent stuff like that from happening. But as far as injuries concerned, and it's the the latter end of the season, it's not much you can do. You can't really bring somebody else in for. We we brought in local players that had played for scorchers many years ago just to fill up a spot so it was like in my season it was it was crazy the year after that creon um unfortunately lost the job and so um that's when lloyd came came on down from manchester so he's the current coach at the moment but it was it, while it was all crazy for the professionals for me it was really good to just be a sponge and learn and although we weren't winning we finished bottom of the table it was in reference to what we said earlier about losing teams, it it was scorches. Um, but I wasn't there for that. I wasn't there to make an impact enough to win the game, but I was there enough to make my impact of how I showed myself to the coach, everything that he taught me during the week. Would I go and do it on the weekend or would I just revert to whatever my brain says, you know? Um, so yeah, in 
it was a lot of lessons. And when when you actually get into Surrey, like yeah. I'm guessing you have a contract and you you sign your contract, and that's got to be so really I'm, cool to actually be signing something going. I'm getting paid to play basketball now. That's got to be the coolest thing ever, right? So it was cool, apart from I didn't do that at Surrey because I was a young player who was a volunteer there. I didn't sign my first contract until the year after. So although I was playing in professional teams, I've been playing in professional teams for two years, only one of them has been paid for. Now, some expenses were paid for, so technically you could say that was some kind of level of professionalism. Um, but in terms of um, signing contracts, I didn't have to sign anything except kind of a few things, but they weren't like official ones. The first okay. one I did was was in Saudi. So, and I don't know. Again, these this is part of my lame questions. Is when you when you're playing for Surrey Scorchers, yeah. you've got how many kits have you got? Have you and is that your kit? Yeah, it's my. I've still got it in my in my house now. That I should have I should have asked you. Can you bring yeah. it? Because this is this is one of the kits I really like. Um, I remember the blue one. Well, no, there's two different sleeves. I think it's like Yellow a black. It's a, it's a black sleeve and a pink sleeve, and what I remember. Yeah, I've still got that. Uh, like, it's like a t-shirt. Yeah. So they so they give you yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So they give you that as soon as you join team. So here's all your stuff, and then that's yours forever. You don't hand that in. No. That's amazing. It's got, it's got your name. I don't on know it. if that's a lame question or not. No, that's why I said these are lame, lame questions because you, growing up, you always just get given the jersey that comes out the bag. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's it. It's it's washed. Well, you'd hope it would be washed. And sometimes they don't smell like they're yeah, washed. I was always fired for my number. Yeah, but growing but up, it was, it was just like that. You know, everyone be like, oh, I'm I'm grabbing ten or I'm grabbing three or whatever. But when you get to that level, it's like you, know, you walk in, the jerseys are, are nicely put up there, um, and everyone works together from kind of the people who do the washing and put your you know get the locker room set up to the head right. coach. Like everyone is. Yeah. So. My my brain is just gone. So you walk into your locker room and it's exactly what we see in the TV. It's all like like what's lined up for you. Everything you, says. What walk, what do you take in? So you you walk in, depending on the team, of course. You walk in, um, and there'd definitely be like fruit and stuff on the table as you walk in, um, and then next to it would be some sweets because some people like a bit of sugar rush kind of bit of jelly babies half, half time. Yeah, jelly babies or or whatever. Um, that would be you. That's 100%. classic. Hey, when you go and you're running, you have your jelly babies. Yeah. <laughs> I never did too Everyone much of it, but it was, it, it, they were there and some people did snack on them. I, I did snack on them a few times, but yeah, then you, you know, head into the to the locker room and all your jerseys and kind of warm up stuff are there um, and kind of bottle of water, etc. Um, and what stuff you would need. So if I knew that I had to go and get my ankles taped, then my tape would be there. So I just have to take it and go and get my... Uh, ankles taped by the physio and, and stuff and yeah if you want a pre-game massage or you want whatever you just go get it done That's, everything's there in place do you bring your shoes or do you leave them there um so most people left their shoes there because i was going back and forth and sometimes i'd play here in portsmouth on the weekend I'd, yeah. I'd always have them in my car um but yeah when i played um in different seasons it's been different yeah at uni uh, you know in college in america it was it was different i used to just leave my leave my uh shoes there underneath my underneath my seat everyone did that so all right you gonna... have your own seat uh oh, in yeah. america and yeah. so what we're gonna get in the sneakers now then so do you have a sneaker for the season um what my go-to sneaker yeah 
is there is there one that's particularly you know like say like your brother likes phone are we talking and they're like old school but they still is this bbl now i'm just wondering i'm, I'm curious and on do they journey. buy that for you like do you have like a home away a home shoe and away shoe or no so professionals they unless you get to like the top top level where you know you're you've signed contracts with yes. nike or under armor um in the professional levels you tend to wear your own shoes mm. um now in college in america the teams are often sponsored, sponsored. Right, yeah so we'd always get given shoes like i never had my own pair of shoes that i had to bring apart from it being like a workout shoe so they'd give us sometimes two pairs of shoes and yeah you just choose the style we decide as a team and have a team shoe and have a travel shoe and have a travel kit and it, this is so cool isn't uh, it yeah. you don't need to do anything other than turn up yeah well obviously i'm playing all that stuff yeah, but. yeah. And, and all the other hard work but yeah, yeah it, it all helps it so it all helps it amazing and like when you're when you're turning up to the arena and stuff um, i mean how early are you getting there before a game if you get if tip offs at like seven seven o'clock 745 is you is it what, what is it in the bbl 715 yeah. i think 715 7 um, depends what day of the week it is when do you when do you like what's what's that day like how early do you have to get before the game i'm guessing that based on the mentality of the player as well because i'm, I'm guessing there's, there's a time that you need to be there there's a time there's a time that you can't go past the time before yeah. that we'll have like a shoot around in the morning and then you're kind of free to do what you want and then meet back here by like five or by four thirty or something like that so it's never normally more than three hours before the game um but some people depend on their routine of course like you mentioned people turn up earlier people turn up later last minute they prefer to just come in rush get ready and go straight out and like that's it there and then there's no time to kind of think um it, everyone is different what's yours mine what, is what's your routine yeah mine is typically um it would be kind of the the morning shoot around and then i'd stay around because obviously for example surrey i couldn't then i wouldn't then just drive back and drive you know, back to surrey again so i'd stay there and just go to kind of the houses of the the players um just chill with the americans for a little bit um and then i'd get there as kind of as soon as it was kind of ready and set open because in scorches at the sports park they lay the floor so it's not the same floor that you have on kind of your regular day oh. for the uni because it's a uni it's the university of surrey so it will be like all the badminton lines and stuff and then they'll lay the floor for the scorchers so you have to kind of wait until that's done for you, before you can actually get on the court and start shooting yourselves plus they obviously bring the hoops out and stuff they're not ones that come down so when that's out though you can go ahead brilliant and what what what's surrey park like what's like when 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 you were there um, I mean, there, there. It's about a thousand you guys get in there. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Um, you know what? What? What's that like? How, how loud does that crowd? Get? The 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 Surrey fans, are arguably, best if not top three best in the BBL, just because of how well it sells out, um, and how well, how loyal the the fans are. There's a load of season ticket holders. There's a load of people that just like never watched a basketball game but they'll turn up for their first game um and it will just be a recurring thing so the only issue for sorry is how can they fit more people in so yeah. it's that's the only issue for them um because you can't put fans on the other end or on the two sides you can only have it 
kind of where you know Portsmouth forces it's, it's only on one side that you have all the spectators um, but that's just a facility issue facilities are the big one yeah over in the UK I think it's I'm you like, know like obviously you've been in the States and stuff yeah. even talking with Simon saying over in you know France and places all around the other countries you see you see it uh, in like Lithuania and yeah. places like that you think all right what's basketball in Lithuania like what's one of the best in, in the world like they just got a massive stadium 15,000 people sell it out that's where you're training yeah. no badminton lines and <laughs> I think for the BBL to really take off yeah. where, where they want to do it you need a bit like what London have done with their arena I mean what's that six and a half thousand seven thousand is it yeah. no I think it might even be more than that no it's six it's just over six thousand but that was previously um uh, it's not volleyball it's handball or something wasn't it it was built for the Olympics like netball oh okay and and stuff. but then there's a big jump down I think it might be what Caledonia use then like 4,000 or something like that Newcastle on a million yeah, miles away with 3,000 yeah. um, but it's imagine you had 10 teams even that had London Lions facility I think the league would just yeah it'd be progress bigger than if you think about kind of scorches where they're capped at the seats that they have yeah. they don't really have the problem of getting people to come watch it they've got the problem of capacity yeah so that they've only got one chance to you know increase revenue and that's just by putting tickets up yeah so that logically that's the only way you can really grow unless you kind of try and win with you know paying less salaries for players or or stuff it doesn't really work so no. but they're you know this year they're, they're finding a way they've they've had a few good years now of um coach lloyd and their they're, they're not bottom anymore so that's no that's very that's, true they have some big good. wins yeah big wins, big wins. They're, they, doing, they're doing really well they were the f were they the first to dent the crown mm, no plymouth i think was the first to dent the crown i think then sorry were afterwards okay. they, they have so just, by uh, dent the crown we're talking london yeah uh, um, they have just taken a win against caledonia though in the trophy i believe they nearly they nearly dent the crown yeah they yeah. nearly did they I were winning three all, th all three quarters yeah. yeah and then last quarter they they lost by three that, and that is a pattern with London. They... That's a pattern with Scorchers too. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. That is the end of this part. But do not worry because coming soon is the second part of this episode and it will be available soon.